0: what up what up folks what's going on welcome to episode 147 of the spun today podcast the podcast that is anchored in writing but unlimited in scope i'm your host tony ortiz and i appreciate you listening in this episode i speak about watching ufc 247 the results of super tuesday 2020 and the comedy specials of ronnie chang asian comedian destroys america And Pete Davidson's Alive from New York. Please stick around if any of that stuff interests you. And if not, kick rocks. But first, here's a quick way that you can help support the show. You know that feeling that you get on a Monday when you're sad because the weekend is over and you have nothing to look forward to except for lunch? Have no fear. The Midday Monday Boost Letter is here. And you might be thinking, what is the Midday Monday Boost Letter? Sounds like a mouthful. And it is. But it's also more than that. I put together this absolutely free newsletter that I email to all my subscribers every Monday at noon to spread a little joy and happiness. If you choose to subscribe, all you have to do is go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe and drop in your email address. And what you'll get is five things. You'll get a photo of the week, which who doesn't like looking at dope pictures? You'll also get a podcast of the week. I listen to dozens and dozens of podcasts every single week from a wide variety of shows. And I cherry pick the very best ones and share them with you. as my recommendation for that week. Also in the Midday Monday Boost Letter, you will find a video of the week, which could be anything from a cool online recipe that I found to a rap battle to a TED talk, or a dope interview. I also share a quote of the week, a little food for thought, as well as a word of the week for my fellow wordsmiths out there. Again, this is all absolutely free, and you can get my newsletter by going to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe, drop in your email address, and you will get the very next one. Alrighty, UFC two forty seven was headlined by John Jones versus Dominic Reyes. The co-main event was Valentina Shevchenko versus Caitlin Chukagin. And that followed Juan Adams versus Justin Tafa or Tafa. Merzad Bektik fought Dan I and Derek Lewis fought Year Latifi. I honestly only saw part of the Shevchenko fight, and then the main event. So I'll just read you guys off the results of all the other main card fights. Derek Lewis won by decision. Dan Ig also won by decision. Justin Taffa won by a first round KO TKO. Valentina won by a third round KO TKO. She's so dominant. She's such a beast. I don't see anybody beating her anytime soon. And then the main event, the controversial main event in John Jones versus Dominic Reyes. So, this is one of, I would say, the second, uh, probably the third fight in recent history where John Jones is matched up with someone that's like his height. Other ones in recent history, I would say, other fighters in recent history, maybe Anthony Smith, uh, Alexander Gustafson, definitely. And a Tiago Santos fight. Similar to them, Dominic Reyes is, you know, a tall, long, and really athletic fighter. He's 12-0, and 0, undefeated coming into this fight. He previously played football at the college level. Um, couldn't quite make it uh, to the NFL. But really athletic, explosive guy. After college, set his sights on fighting. And has obviously been doing uh, very well enough to get a light heavyweight title shot. Unfortunately for him, he went up against probably the best MMA fighter of all time. I could say arguably pound for pound the best, but he's been so dominant that it's not really an argument. He's twenty-six and one. His one loss was a disqualification in a fight that he was clearly winning. And the referee wound up disqualifying him for uh, a controversial illegal elbow, a 12 to 60 uh, elbow, which is illegal in the UFC. So he's technically considered undefeated, even though his record shows 26 and one. He is the youngest ever light heavyweight champion in the UFC and has actually fought all the greats while they were still in their prime. And he was like the up and coming new guy. And he beat all of them handily. Like my favorite fighter of all time, Lyoto Machida, Rampage Jackson, DC, Daniel Cormier, twice. Twice. One of which was like an epic war. Rashad Evans, Vitor Belfort, the list goes on and on and on and on. But anyway, fast forward back to this fight against Dominic Reyes. I feel like this fight was similar to the Thiago Santos fight where John Jones didn't really show up in the dominant fashion that he normally does. Now, I don't know if that is a result of Dominic Rage just being like really great competition or of lack of preparation on Jones' side or just the way, you know, the stylistic matchup is and the way the fight unfolded. But from the outside looking in, from someone that knows nothing about martial arts except you know, being a fan, so obviously take what I say with a grain of salt. It seems like Jones has these dominant, demolishing bouts. Then he has a couple of, I don't want to say, like, boring fights, but they just don't seem, like, as creative striking-wise, and it seems like he's, like, going through the motions in there and, like, doing just enough to win. Now, this fight was very close. Dominic Gray is and most folks opinion including mine won the first two rounds the third round is up for debate that could have gone either way that was a very back and forth round and then the fourth and fifth the championship rounds uh john jones won handily and i remember waiting with anticipation when they were announcing the decision i pretty much just felt like if it went to dominic reyes I see why, but if it went to to Jones, like, I'd see why also, you know what I mean? Like, Dominic Reyes didn't do, like, enough to, like, you know how they say, to be the champ, you got to beat the champ. He definitely didn't do that, but it was so close that if it did go his way, it was like, okay, so he must have got, they must have scored the third round in his favor. Uh, But it didn't go that way. It went to the champ, John Jones. He retained his title, and I think it would would make for an interesting uh, rematch if they run it back. Same with the Thiago Alves fight, that'll be interesting to to see again because he was hurt during that fight, and it was again close during the the early rounds. And John Jones is still really young; he's 32 years old. Again, he was the youngest ever light heavyweight champion. Has been defending that title ever since. And his biggest knock is that he's his own worst enemy in terms of shit that he gets into outside of of the octagon, from drugs to DUIs and just dumb shit. But seems to be on the straight and arrow now, and it's up to him it seems like how long he he wants to reign as champion. The biggest controversy out of the fight, I would say was the the judging. There was one judge, which is a judge that's known to just give horrible decisions that scored it four rounds to one in favor I don't remember in favor of who but in favor of one one or the other, right, in favor of either John Jones or Dominic Reyes, but the first two rounds were clearly Dominic Reyes, the fourth and fifth round were clearly John Jones, and the third round was the toss-up round, so if somebody did give, like, a 3-2, you know, if they had, like, a 3-2 split or something like that, you know, that obviously makes sense, but four to one, like, most folks were like disgusted with that and it brought up the whole conversation again of having to revamp the judging system and the point system within UFC since MMA as a sport adopted the boxing uh criteria for for judging you know like three judges and the 10 round 10 point round system and stuff like that it doesn't really fit for for MMA because it's such a like a multifaceted sport it's a combat sport with so many variables, and coming up with like a comprehensive system, uh, point system, and judging system that is more fitting for it would obviously be a huge uh, feat. But the decision here just you know highlighted and reminded of the need for it. Anyway, that's my take on UFC 247. I am excited for this weekend uh, coming up, March 7th, 2020. We got Stylebender Israel Adesanya versus. The Soldier of God, Yoel Romero. I'm definitely looking forward to that. Stay tuned for my feedback on that card for sure. And it's a pretty stacked card in and of itself. You got a uh, Derek Brunson's fighting, Alex Oliveira's fighting, Neil Magni, Yoana John Jacek, Wei Li Zhang, and of course the main event, Staubender vs. The Soldier of God. Next up is Super Tuesday 2020. I don't know about you guys, but I am into politics. I follow it. I won't say I'm the most knowledgeable on all topics related to politics, but I do follow it fairly often, and I'm into it. The whole pageantry of it, if you will, like the debates and pundit analysis and stuff like that, I'm into. But again, I can't tell you, you know, every candidate's detailed policies and platforms or anything like that maybe a couple uh bullet points but yeah this past tuesday yesterday actually because i'm recording this on a wednesday night the democratic candidates had their super tuesday quote-unquote event if you will for those of you that don't know what super tuesday is it's the single biggest primary voting day after the primaries that kick it off which are the iowa caucus and then followed by South Carolina, then uh, Super Tuesday, where there are 14 state primaries happening in one day. The point of primaries in general are to thin out the herd within a specific party. So now we have a Democratic primary because we have a sitting Republican president and Donald Trump And the Democrats are vying for who's going to be the nominee and take on Donald Trump in November of this year in the general election. But first, we have to go through this process, which is the primary election process. Now, to become the guy or gal that is going to be representing the Democratic Party versus Donald Trump, you have to go through this primary process, accumulate votes, which correlate to a number of what are called delegates and a specific number of delegates have to be one to become the party's nominee. I think it's like 1900 and something delegates. Now when a, a primary process starts, you usually have like a shitload of candidates. Uh, Democrats had this time around, I think it was like 10 or... or no, I'm sorry. I think it was like 20 candidates all altogether. And, you know, as the time goes on and, you know, people don't have enough donations or not, you know, polling at certain levels, they start, you know, dropping out. The DNC, which is the Democratic National Committee, sets certain parameters in place for uh, kind of like goalposts that candidates have to meet in order to qualify to be on the televised debates. And these goalposts are things like, you know, X number of donations by this date from individual supporters um, reaching x you know percentage in the polls by this date etc etc and the dnc has its own like checkered past if you guys remember in 2016 um it came out that they pretty much tipped the scales over to to hillary for her to gain the nomination when bernie was beating her and they pretty much fucked them out of the the democratic nomination and that coming out Resulted in you know a bunch of like turnover at the DNC and changes in how they uh, do things and you know did things this time around and it was like a more they tried to make it like a more transparent process. It was part of the whole scandal if you guys remember of like all the those like leaked emails from Hillary Clinton, uh, from her like campaign and stuff. It had to do with the DNC and a concerted effort of. Democratic Party officials, they were coordinating, the email showed proof of cor- of them coordinating against Bernie to tip the scales in Clinton's favor and help her get the nomination. And Debbie Wasserman Schultz was the chairwoman of the DNC. She wound up re- resigning, you know, after all the shit came out, and then immediately getting hired by the Clinton campaign. I mean, <laughs> you can't get shadier than that, right? Like, it was, like, in your face, very transparent. Anyway, this organization, the DNC, is the one that's in charge of the Democratic National Party in terms of creating and organizing the platform by which we nominate a Democratic candidate for president. And there were they were more transparent, but you know, weird shit was kind of happening, like with the first primary, which was Iowa, when the votes were supposed to be out and counted, they weren't, and there was some sort of like technical glitch or some shit. Then the votes wound up, you know, coming out, I think, like, the next day or the, even the day after that. And it's the type of shit that's, that's like, discouraging for folks. Like, that stuff like this, like, those things are the reasons why people say, oh, fuck that. I don't vote. They're the shit anyway. And it's sad when shit like that happens because it's, you know, they're proven right when shit like that happens. You know, what do you say to that? You know, I'm the type that is going to vote regardless and partake in, in the system and do my, quote-unquote, civic duty because, regardless of you know the fact that I'm in a blue state, you know I live in New York. New York is going to go Democrat, you know. Regardless, like I don't chalk it up to that because I think that that type of group groupthink at a large scale is what the issue is, and a lot of elections are decided by the people that don't go out and vote, especially local elections. And democracies are for the folks that participate in it. But I digress. So Super Tuesday had a lot of surprising results. Joe Biden, sleepy Joe Biden, as Trump calls him, won ten of the fourteen states. He came out of nowhere. I mean, Joe Biden is a you know, he's being pushed and propelled by the party as like, you know, the party's choice. This is the this is clearly the guy that the Democratic Party for the most part is behind in terms of the majority of support. Obviously everybody on here is a a Democrat. You know, you can argue they're not necessarily lifelong Democrats, but they're Democrats and how have their own like pockets of support within the Democratic Party. But Biden is like the main guy, right? But he was doing so poorly in the debates that honestly I did not see him doing this well I don't think many folks did. So I'm doing this well uh in Super Tuesday. But he's definitely propelled himself to be the the official front runner now. I thought it was going to be Bernie taking taking home the most wins kind of like as I was kind of like rooting for him at this point as like vindication for 2016 when I think he should have won and it would have been interesting to see him, you know, then 4 years ago against Trump the first time around you know, a uh, true progressive, progressive ideas from by all accounts and purposes, a stubborn in a, I can't be bought type of way politician, which is kind of refreshing. And to me, it would have been an interesting use case to see how ideas, his progressive ideas, his quote unquote, socialist ideas of healthcare for all, free college fit into our capitalist society which i wouldn't want the obviously undo the entire you know free market capitalist uh, system in america but those two facets which have like run amok i think would have been an interesting thing and maybe still can be an interesting thing to to be checked i mean student loan debt is a tremendous tremendous huge part of the national debt and you can liken it to predatory lending in some ways when when you're offering a seventeen 18 year old kid you know thousands of dollars in free loans with absorbent interest rates at an age when they don't know how the shit works. I know because I have student loans still to this day, and a healthcare system where we pay far more per capita for it than other developed countries that definitely doesn't mean I want to go you know complete left with it. In terms of winding up with like shitty government-run healthcare only, because uh, when I d- go to the doctor, you know, I do feel comfortable that I'm going to the doctor. You know, like I trust the doctors that that I go to, but I also trust the doctors that my father goes to when I go with him to to the doctor, and he has Medicare. That's you know government-run that works very well. But how would it work? You know, expanding that to all, and I you know it wasn't it definitely wasn't Bernie's plan as I remember, is not, you know, flipping a switch and, you know, he's president today and then tomorrow everybody has Medicare all of a sudden. It's like a, I believe, a four-year gradual expansion. Like in the first, his first first year, I don't know if it's four-year or 10-year, but I want to say four-year. So it's like, instead of folks being 65 and older getting Medicare, in the first year it gets expanded to folks 55 and older, then 45 and older, then the 30th, 30, 30, 35 and older, then the fourth year, 25 and older, some shit like that. But yeah, like in stuff like that, to things that FDR did during his New Deal, and FDR was a president that had four terms, four terms, and he ran on a lot of these populist, would be called now socialist ideas. You know, he established things that we still have to this day, like the Social Security Act, which newsflash is a you know, quote unquote socialist program. We all pay into it. We don't all necessarily get. Money out of it because you know some folks die, you know, before collecting that money. Some folks opt out of it, and he created FDR did you know dozens of other programs and agencies like FDIC, you know, the Federal Deposit Insurance, which means that your the money in your bank is insured by the government. You know, up to you know it was a hundred thousand dollars, and I think under the Obama administration actually it was raised up to two hundred fifty thousand after the the crash of two thousand eight, if I remember correctly. But that's something that didn't exist before then. The Glass-Steagall Act, which separates, you know, personal from commercial banking, which was undone. Thanks, Clinton. Thanks, Bush. And the repercussions and ripple effects of that is what led to the crash of 2008. But yeah, I digress. I just think it it would be interesting to see how Bernie's populist ideas fare in today's climate. But yeah, Biden came out of nowhere. And took 10 of the states, including Texas, which was one of the biggest in terms of delegate count, with 228 delegates for Texas alone. He also won Alabama, Virginia, North Carolina, Tennessee, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Minnesota, surprisingly, because supposedly he spent something like 700 and something bucks in Minnesota and had like zero outreach there and still won it. Massachusetts he won which was super surprising in two ways because one Elizabeth Warren is still in the race she is the senator in Massachusetts one of two and she didn't even come in second she came in third Bernie came in second in Massachusetts as he did with the vast majority of all the states that Biden won Bernie came in a close second and Bernie went on to win Vermont which is his home state where he's the senator of Uh, colorado utah and california which was the number one biggest state of all with 415 delegates so in terms of total delegate count as it is biden now has 512 bernie has 441 bloomberg which stepped down today after the results of, of super tuesday had 53 delegates elizabeth warren which I don't think she has stepped down yet, but she also had 53 delegates. And Tulsi Gabbard, which I was actually rooting for from from the get go, she has one delegate count. You know, she was kind of like Heisman stiff armed by Hillary and the Democratic brass, and hasn't been in on uh, the debate stage or anything like that. And Hillary publicly said that. She thinks Tulsi is is like a Russian plant or working for the Russians, that the R- Russians would want her to win, and that kind of like tarnished her her name badly. And that's like a whole other thing. Bloomberg spent like five hundred something million dollars. Was only part of two debates. I'm not surprised by by the outcome. You know him not being a front runner, especially out of uh, after the like lackluster performances in the debates. Um, But what I was surprised by is that like Elizabeth Warren, who was thought to be a front runner, similar to Joe Biden uh, from the beginning, she, you know, Bloomberg did better than she did or just as good in terms of delegate count. But percentage wise in a lot of these, these states, it's interesting to see how unlikable she is and how far 500 plus million dollars can get you. (laughs) Mayor Pete stepped down and through his support, behind Biden, which Mayor Pete, first uh, openly gay, uh, viable Democratic candidate for president, um, and actually won Iowa, which is like a big deal. Surprisingly, uh, dropped out, as did Amy Klobuchar, which is doing which was doing fairly well in debates and polls. And I think also through her support behind Biden and when shit like that happens, it's usually, you know, like you know, if Biden is the front runner, they're promised, you know, unofficially told that they'll have like a cabinet position and as part of his administration or maybe be vice president or something like that. Similar to how Hillary was made secretary of defense. I'm sorry, secretary of state under President Obama. And although I'm not the biggest fan of Joe Biden, and I kind of feel like he's like a bit unhinged and I don't know, I just uh, don't feel completely right about him. If he does have a strong VP, it'll make me feel better. Um, definitely makes me feel better th- than the current unhinged fuck that we have in the White House now. And my brother actually brought up a good point that it, it would be like a refreshing wave of like new Democratic blood in, you know, with all these folks. Klobuchar, Pete, Biden, you know, going to the White House, going to Washington. So we'll see. Let's see how that stuff plays out. There's still a few, more, a few more months for things to finish shaking out. I don't see Elizabeth Warren staying in the race too much longer. But I think she openly said that she's going to stay until the end or something like that. But I don't think Pocahontas wants that smoke. Um, that That is one positive contribution from Trump, though. The nicknames that he's so good at giving people and branding them. Some of them are really fucking funny. Like Bloomberg is always going to be mini Mike to me now. (laughs) I hope Trump loses and then goes on like a cross country stand up comedy tour and is really bitter and like airing out all the inside Washington secrets and shit. (laughs) Wouldn't that be fun? Speaking of stand up comedy, see what I did there? I recently saw two funny specials. The first one is Ronnie Chang's Asian Comedian Destroys America. Ronnie Chang is a comic that I had never heard of before. I saw him pop up on my Netflix feed. And then I heard on a couple different podcasts, folks, like, mentioned... I, was, I wasn't, like, planning on watching them. I was like, eh, whatever, interesting. You know, there's there's dozens, of, there's probably, like, hundreds of stand-up comedy specials on Netflix. There's always a new one. So I... You know I'm a fan of comedy, but I definitely don't watch all of them. And this one was just kind of like, okay, this new special, you know, like any other. And I wasn't planning on watching it. Then I heard on a couple uh, podcasts how how funny it was. Decided to randomly put it on. Literally, I was like throwing it on, like in between something. Like I think my wife had just finished like watching something, and then. Like, I had, like, a few minutes to kill before going to do something, and I was like, yeah, let me watch. just watch, like, five, ten minutes of it and see what's up. And we both wound up watching it, really liking it, laughing, and weren't able to finish it because, again, I think we had to go somewhere. Uh, but then we finished watching it another day, and it was funny. He de- delves into our, like, spoiled American culture and our instant gratification culture and how we want things immediately now, and he loops in, like, Amazon Prime, and I don't want to give up too much of it in case you guys watch it, but he just does it, like, in a really funny way, and in a way that that makes you appreciate a little bit how good we do have it, and not just here in America. I want to say, you know, I don't want to sound like a, like a douchey American, but <laughs> just in general, being alive today with technology at the point of where it's at and the internet and the world being able to be made so small if you wanted to. And we're so like interconnected if we want to be. And don't have to be if we don't want to be. Like having that option is is a, a beautiful thing. And we definitely do take it for granted. I know I do. A lot of times. So it's interesting to see somebody like highlight how spoiled we are. In order to kind of make you appreciate things a little bit more. Oh, and then he has a really funny bit about uh, Asians, and Asians just wanting shit to work, the, they it says they, that they just want things to work, right, they don't get caught up in, in, like, racial shit, and he's, he said something to the effect of, like, if we had more Asians in politics, or, like, an Asian president, like, things would just, like, get done, shout out to Andrew Yang, <laughs> um, Yang gang, baby, but he said something like, we don't get caught up with stuff with white people or black people with asians it's not black against white or white against black he was like we don't give a shit about either one of you we just want shit to work (laughs) and it's dope man you guys should check it out again it's ronnie chang streaming on netflix and the name of his special is asian comedian destroys america and last but not least pete davidson's new special alive from new york is also available on Netflix and streaming now. If you notice, Pete Davidson is a current cast member, probably not for long. I'll get into that in a bit. But a current cast member of Saturday Night Live and has been for several years. And Saturday Night Live, I believe their tagline is, or they start off every show or something like that with live from New York, it's Saturday night or something like that. So I believe... His The name of his uh, comedy special, Alive from New York, is kind of a play on that. You know, live from New York, but it's alive from New York. And also, kind of like a hat tip towards his mental illness and issues that he goes through. You know, I'm sure bouts of contemplating suicide and with recent deaths of folks that have committed suicide it's kind of like a a nod to that as well and pete davidson i really really liked his first special this one was was dope as well and it's cool to see his progression you know he's a he's a comic that's 10 years in most comics start getting their stride 10 years in um and and i think he's definitely definitely on that uh uh, trajectory and i said after his first special which i'm pretty sure I, i i spoke about here on the podcast that he is, he seems to me to have a quality of a comic that could definitely be a goat. Like there's like a charisma and like a charm to him that as long as he, you know, continues to stay committed to it, which apparently he has because he's still, you know, he's still working, he's still grinding. And now he's 10 years in, uh, if he continues on that path and he continues to apply that work ethic, like he, I really think he'd be like a big time like all-time great comics like this special just made me like excited to see his next one you know what i mean like uh i liked it i enjoyed it i laughed i thought it was dope how he he went at like one of his exes uh ariana ariana grande and you know he has a kind of like a storied like backlog of chicks that he's been with like famous girls that were his girlfriends and you know things didn't work out but like girls like Ari- ariana grande and uh larry david's daughter Larry David, you know, like, the creator of Kirby Enthusiasm and co-creator of Seinfeld. His daughter. Um, well, so there's like, a bunch of other ones. But, like, Ariana Grande, like, wrote a song about him and kind of, like, shit on him. But said he was, like, well hung and, you know, like, had a big dick or something like that. And just, like, weird shit. And he was like, you know, I don't really go on social media. Like, I don't have uh, social media. And don't really do, like, too many interviews. So, you know, this is my outlet. And he, like, worked her into... Like his his bits, which I thought was dope and, and funny, obviously. There was a dope interview also that Pete did with Charlemagne that I'll link to in the episode notes that you guys should check out. It's about like an hour long. And, you know, he takes a deeper dive into like relationship issues and stuff like that, but also his mental illness, which I think is in like an important watch. And I'm sure stories like his and, you know, how somebody with a platform like Charlemagne's how he's always like, you know, he has a book about mental illness called "Shook Ones," uh, um, anxiety playing tricks on me, which I read and have spoken about on on the podcast. And you know, he's a, a big proponent about like mental illness and therapy and stuff like that. And somebody of his caliber, having the platform that he does, is shining a light on folks like Pete Davidson, and you know, making it okay to like speak about issues that you go through and how he checks himself, like, in and out of rehab every so often. Stories like that, I feel, are important for folks to hear, folks that are going through stuff like that themselves, or that maybe they know people that are going through stuff like that, or just, to, in general, to have it out there, like, in the in the zeitgeist, so that we understand that type of shit more, and what people are going through. Because I could imagine, you know, you know, rewind time back a bit, and, you know, somebody like Pete Davidson would have maybe been killed himself with some of the shit that he speaks about that he's like gone through and has, has felt and stuff like that. And I say, you know, rewind back in time in the sense of, you know, not having the information at your fingertips that we do now because of the internet, internet and because of interviews like, like that one and platforms like, like Charlemagne's and books and information and dialogue about touchy subjects that make folks realize, you know what? It is okay to be me. It is okay. You know, I'm not the only one dealing with this. I don't have to, like, kill myself. And obviously, you know, it's not that easy. And there's varying degrees of shit that folks deal with. I just hope that Pete is at a place where he seems to be at now. Where he's good with the way things are going. He's happy with himself. He's comfortable. And just continues doing what he loves to do. And continues doing comedy. And continues to be happy. And, you know, I know, like, he wants to be married and have a kid and stuff like that. I hope he finds that. He seems to be like checking out. He kind of like shit on SNL a little bit <laughs> during the Charlamagne interview. Not shit on it, but kind of, kind of like alluded to he thinks his his time is done there. And he has asked like previous um, SNL cast members that are no longer cast members like when they knew it was time to leave. You know, like folks like Adam Sandler and stuff like that. And they pretty much tell him stuff like you know when you know you know and he said he's kind of felt like that the last couple of years, so you know, I think that that's probably gonna be sunsetting soon. But he's in like movies like Suicide Squad Part Two, um, he has a couple other movies coming out. He, I know, he really looks up to and admires Adam Sandler and like loves his like business model, which is pretty much you know, doing stand up comedy but also you know, being in movies and stuff with all your friends. And like every movie that you're in, you know you have a like a bunch of your, you get roles for for a bunch of your friends and stuff like that. He seems to be trying to like model after that, which who wouldn't, right? Like that'd be a pretty dope existence. But yeah, man, Pete, thank you for the laughs. I'm saying that, like you're actually gonna hear this, <laughs> but um, yeah, check out his special, Pete Davidson's Alive from New York. It's definitely worth a watch. Streaming now on Netflix and that was episode 147 of the spun today podcast folks i'm your host tony ortiz and i appreciate you guys listening stick around for a minute listen to some tunes in the background and then for a few ways you can help support the show if you so choose Peace. What is America built off of? Bonds of entrepreneurship. So if you had to tell another six-year-old like yourself what to look out for, what would you tell them? They will kill you for the right price. Are you a buyer or a seller? A seller. If I gave you a million dollars right now, would you buy candy or a candy store? A candy store. What is the goal to be? Independent. If you lost everything tonight, what you got tomorrow? Intellectual property. And what is intellectual property? They can take possessions, but they can't take your mind. How do you say group economics in Spanish? How do you say barter system? If I gave you something for five hundred and you flipped it to the next man for two thousand, what does that call? Upselling. All right, now me as your leader, as your father, the person that's supposed to have your best interest. If I celebrate holidays and Christmas your entire life and you got to go beg somebody for a job at eighteen, what did I do? tell me financially. And I want you to tell me how fast can somebody be a victim of gun violence in America? That's fast. Hey folks, Tony here, and I hope you're enjoying the show as much as I enjoy putting it together for you. If you'd like to support, I'd really appreciate it, and we'll give you a one-stop shop of sorts on how to do so. If you can make your way over to spuntoday.com forward slash support, you'll find a bunch of different ways where you can do just that. There you'll find an Amazon banner similar to... other banners found throughout my website that you can click on and will take you to Amazon where you can do your shopping like you normally do. This will not cost you anything extra and Amazon will pay me a percentage just for driving traffic to their website. It's a great way to help support the show financially without actually having to come out of pocket. At spuntoday.com forward slash support, you'll also find links to my Patreon and Ko-fi pages. Patreon and Kofi are two similar websites where you can set up reoccurring donations for the show. If you want to donate a dollar per month, a dollar per episode, a hundred dollars per episode, whatever you like, you can check out either one of those two services there. There's actually also a Patreon video that's kind of like a little tutorial explanation video of how Patreon actually works. Also at spuntoday.com forward slash support, you'll find a direct donation button where you, you can donate by way of PayPal. You'll find a link to Apple Music, which works similar to the Amazon banner. You can click on it, it'll take you to Apple's website where you can do your purchasing like you normally do. And again, it does not cost you anything extra, but I will get paid a percentage just for driving traffic to their website. And you'll also find links to the Spun Today Viral Style Store. This is where you can get Spun Today related merch. And you'll find things like these cool premium T-shirts that have uh, writing-related things on them that I put together myself. I'm definitely not a clothing designer by any stretch of the imagination, but I put together things that I wanted to see and and uh, wear myself. A couple of my favorites are the one that says writing is life and another one that says write Need every day and it has like a puff of smoke looking design right behind uh, those words. You'll also find a sponsored coffee mug and a really cool color changing mug that's related to my debut novel, Fractal. It's completely black and when... It gets hot when you put in a coffee or tea. It starts changing to white. And it also exposes the cover art for my novel, Fractal. It's pretty dope. So definitely check all that stuff out, which, again, you can find by going to sponsoredaycom forward slash support. And, of course, do not forget to follow me on all of your social media. At sponsoreday on Twitter. At sponsoreday on Instagram. Subscribe to the sponsoreday YouTube channel where you can find clips and excerpts from the podcast along with other cool content like the Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash spun today also don't forget to check out all the free shit that I have on my website as well go to spun today.com forward slash free writing, and there you're going to find dozens and dozens and dozens of free writing pieces that you can check out for motivation and inspiration and just some general food for thought you can check out some of my photography at spuntoday.com forward slash photography feel free to take any of those pictures and use them as you wish i set it up so that you can like copy and download the photos and my short stories are available at spuntoday.com forward slash short stories and last but certainly not least my pride and joy corner spuntoday.com forward slash books here you will find my published books which you find folks can find links to purchase them on amazon whether you want hard copies or digital uh, kindle copies that's the spot for you thank you very much for being a spun listener and as always substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams